We're starting a brand new series tonight. A contemplative spirituality is what we have titled it, is what we have called it. So, so far this semester, uh, we have gone through the beginning of the book of John and some unique episodes and stories that we highlighted that Jesus spent significant one-on-one time with people. And so we really wanted to highlight and emphasize that Jesus came to, to dwell and to walk with his people and to share his life give his life. And he desired for people to share their life with him. He desires that to this day. And so we wanted to highlight that in a preparation for this series, our contemplative spirituality, to highlight a few uh, spiritual practices and disciplines, things that we could, um, maybe if you don't, maybe if you do, either way, uh, begin or build some specific um, rhythms into your life some specific um, disciplines that you would be consistent in over and over. So that's the reason for this sermon series. Uh, and so I want to encourage you these next few weeks um, to really like open up the possibilities of like, yeah, maybe I could do this. Because I believe if you were to commit to some regular, rhythmic, consistent practices, there could be a huge blessing in your relationship with the Lord. Like, he is, he is good all the time, and he desires to be with us. And so often we can place, man, the Lord works in a chapel service or in a retreat or at a camp or at some over-emotional place, but yet he works at all times. It's us who chooses to either disregard or block or not be open to his continual working in our lives. Right? Amen? Oh, you guys are quiet tonight. You're ready. Ready to hear and ready to listen. All right, so we've invited Alan. Alan DeYoung is our next-gen district officer, BCYD Yukon District. Uh, he's also a good friend. Come on up, Alan. Is that the invitation? Okay. Yeah, come on up. He's also a good friend. We've spent some time by the river, chilling right, out yeah, a couple summers ago. Yeah. I appreciate you and, and your lovely wife. Glad you're here tonight. Yeah, yeah, Amazing. Yeah, Didn't think yeah. you'd make it. She flew in back today, so right. glad you're here. Fresh off the plane. Uh, and so, Alan, uh, God bless you. Thank you. May God's favor be with you as you share. And uh, let's, let's really take into what the Lord wants to do, uh, not just tonight, but for this series. Bless you, man. Thank you. Woo! All right. Man, good to be with you guys. Good to be here. Um, yeah. I don't know uh, how many of you guys have had the chance to meet this year, but uh, if you were here last year, I apologize, because uh, I think I got on campus like once last year. Uh, that was really unfortunate, but it's been just so good to, to get to come on campus, and uh, even Dr. Dave even opened up a spare office for us district folk to come and uh, join you guys this year. So uh, hopefully you'll see me around a little more. Actually, I'll be here on Friday. Um, so, um, yeah, if I'm ever here, man, I love to chat, as my wife will attest, and so love to just get to meet as many of you as possible uh, as the year goes. And um, I'm glad to hear that midterms were done and finished last week. Is that correct? Sweet. That means you guys have no excuse for, like, sleeping in or sleeping through tonight. Um, means you should be well-rested. This weekend was good. So we're in for a long one. How long, how long we got tonight? What, 10 o'clock? Is that, is that right? Yeah, okay, sweet. Sounds good. 
No, just kidding. Um, we'll get we'll get to, to it in a moment. Um, as Gavin pointed out, my wife is here, Bernine. But in case you don't get the chance to see her, I do have a picture of her on the screen for you, just so you can see how gorgeous she is. Or maybe I don't. Okay, we'll move on. Um, but uh, there she is. Hey yo. Okay. Sorry, I didn't warn the slides guy. It's like oh, boom. Um, so yeah, Bernine and I, we've been married for about ten years. Uh, just over, actually. We celebrated ten years in September. Epic, yeah. Anyone? Uh, hey, uh, how many? How many in here were part of that like big crop that got married last year? Yeah, we. Oh, some, oh, come on, come on. All right. There's not a lot of you excited about that. Like, no, no, none of the married fellows were like, yeah. It's like, it's a rough go first year apparently. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Hey, you know what? I feel you. Our first year was probably our worst. Just being real. Um, it's, it's like, it's like a fine wine, man. Just gets better with age. Um, so yeah, that's my wife. We don't actually have any kids, um, but we do have a couple fur babies. And so I think I've got a couple photos of them too. Um, yes. So as most of you probably have heard, most of you probably have heard, we're, we're the ones with the mini pig. Uh, if you know Lexi Rankema, she really knows our mini pig. Um, she's, uh, they're practically sisters, but the, the... <laughs> That was not a dig on Lexi, by the way. <laughs> Sorry, Lex, where are you at? Oh, hey. We actually lived with Lexi for like a year and a half, so she's, she can take it. So, um, so that's Dublin on the left. She's our little chubby dubby. And on the right is our little, uh, little black bear, uh, cocker spaniel, Lennon. And uh, those are our kids. At least we treat them like that because we got nothing else to, uh, you know... <laughs> So, just, you know, I had Lennon in the office with me the last couple of days at work, and he's just chasing me around. He's like a little Klingon. He's great. Um, but, yeah, those were, that's us. And we recently did some uh, photos for our 10-year, and we got a, a nice family portrait, I think, in our – yeah, that's, that's, that's a little better angle for, for Dublin. She hefty. So, um, <laughs> she – yeah. So, she, you know what? That's the thing. People are like, she's not a mini pig. But if you've ever seen a real sow – like, she's mini. She, like, she's about 65. She's a solid, dense 65 pounds. But um, she's still mini. She's still mini. Um, anyways, that's, that's enough about us. Uh, just wanted to break the ice a little bit. So, you know, I feel like the ice has been broken and we're good to go. So, um, I love that Gavin and Kim invited me to be a part of this particular series, I mean, we, we chatted back in the summer when, when Gavin first invited me to come and share with you guys. And uh, I love this. I love the theme of contemplative spirituality because, um, I, I mean, I was born and raised, and I'm going to share you, with you a little bit of my story tonight, but like I was raised in the PAOC. And in case you didn't know, we're out of PAOC Bible College, right? So like, like I'm like born and raised PAOC whatever, but uh, the Bible college that I actually went to was not Summit, not Vanguard, um, not Masters. It was actually a non-denominational Bible college in Calgary, where I, where I come from. Any Calgarians in the room? Yeah, yeah. woo! Justice didn't put his hand up, but whatever, okay. Um, so yeah, the, the, in the Bible college that I went to, non-denominational, and it was interesting because we had such a, such a, a spectrum of faith in our Bible college. And uh, there was this one particular stream within our Bible college that was like really big 
on this contemplative, contemplative spirituality stuff. You know, like all like the really boring stuff. You know, as Pentecostals, we're just like, that's lame. Like silent solitude script. What's that? Holy Spirit, come on, let's get slain. Oh, you know. And so like that's what I was used to. And so as a young, like 19, 20-year-old punk, coming into Bible college with all these like non-denomers, I had like major arrogance. And I was just like, you guys don't speak in tongues. What's wrong with you? You know, like I'm like, and, and I can just remember approaching contemplative spirituality and these disciplines, as you would call them, or rhythms with like such angst and such disdain. And uh, I really hope that for some of you who may be like I was, um, through this series, you'll really uh, develop some depth. And not to say that you're, you don't have a depth in your faith, but I think that through some of these rhythms and disciplines, there's, there's a, a depth in relationship that comes with God and with the Spirit that can only be found in some of these disciplines. I feel like it, it just, it really rounds out your faith journey when you can start to employ some of these things in your life. And so I want to just share kind of my, a bit of my story and kind of like how I've engaged with Scripture through my, my days. Because like I said, I was raised in the PAOC. Like I was raised in a Christian home. Uh, my parents got saved in the 80s. Um, and they were like, you know, they were delivered out of like, you know, when we talk about like addiction and stuff like that. Like my dad was a druggie. He was an alcoholic. He smoked. He did it all. Cheated on my mom. Like everything you can imagine. So when my parents got saved, it was like this radical transformation. Like my dad got delivered overnight from alcoholism, right? And so that was like the life they came out of. So when they started having a family, actually they already had started having a family, but I was born after the conversion. So I was born into this like hyper, hyper spiritual climate. Like, like my parents had literally burned their records because that's what you did in the 80s really ticks me off because now I have like a good turntable and, you know, we'll be listening to the radio and my dad's like, oh yeah, I used to have that vinyl. I'm like, thanks dad. Thanks for my inheritance. You burned it. <laughs> like seriously. But, but like, that's, that's where I grew up in. Like we went to church, like sick, like rain or shine on vacation, whatever. Like if you were dying, you were going to die in the back pew. Like we were just like, it, we were, we were church, you know? And, and we went to, you know, Christian school. So like from kindergarten to junior high, I went to a Christian school. So we did all these things like we did scripture memory. I, I actually was trying to dig around because I still have my scripture memory plaques. Um, we used to get these sweet plaques. So it's like Second Timothy, you know, zero mistakes, by the way. Um, that's, like, that's like a really weird church flex right there. Yeah, I quoted all of Colossians with zero mistakes. Yeah, but, you know, we did these things. We, 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 we. Learned all these Bible stories. I went to Sunday school. I went to Bible studies. I went to youth group. I was a part of like a youth group core team, whatever that means. It's like this elite group. Once again, a weird church flex again, you know. And, and all these experiences that I had growing up with the Bible. Like I was just immersed. I was in this little Christian bubble for, for the, the, the most important developmental years of my life. But I'll honestly tell you that even though I, 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 I knew the Bible pretty well, like I knew quite a few 
of the, the, the really like insider stories, like the weird one where Elisha's walking up the hill and these guys are like totally heckling him. And then these bears come out of the wilderness and eat them. And it's just like, what? Right? Like I knew those kind of stories, right? Like I, I thought I knew the Bible, but the reality was I actually hadn't really developed a, a personal discipline of really regularly engaging with the word of God and allowing it to start shaping and transforming. You know, when I graduated high school as a young adult, you know, your young adult years are, are when you start to really, you know, own your faith a little bit. When you're becoming an adult, right? And, and you're starting to, you have to make your own decisions. You gotta put on those big boy pants and you gotta, you gotta, you know, make your bed and sleep in it, right? And so, those are usually the years where you start to develop these habits and things that are going to follow you throughout your life, right? It's where a lot of us probably start this spiritual discipline of, of reading scripture or, or starting to pray, or some of you are going to Bible college and learning all about it. It's great. My young adult years were a little different. Um, I, I had felt that I was called to ministry before I graduated high school. And actually, in, I was taking a gap year after I graduated and my youth pastor had stepped down that summer. So I was just working in this lumber yard. It was like this farm supply store. So we put, sold like pig food and stuff like that. Would have been really handy to get that discount now. But, you know, I, I was just slinging like bags of cattle feed. I was like slinging two by fours, whatever. Just working in this lumber yard in Alberta. And it's coming up to the winter. It's starting to get pretty cold. I didn't even have a license at this point. Like I didn't have my N. So I was like driving, pedaling a bike to work in like the snow it sucked and and I can just remember like our church didn't have a youth pastor yet they were having a hard time finding someone to fill this position you know it was kind of like you know if you were in the lower mainland it's kind of like one of those further out regions where some of you you know God's going to call you to go but you might not necessarily want to you know talk to me if, if that's you by the way because I might have a job for you <laughs> but but I can remember just being hit, coming into this cold snap, working in this lumber yard. There's no one really getting hired at my church. And I'm still helping in the interim run like Bible studies and stuff, even though I didn't really know the Bible that well, like I didn't really have that rhythm yet. But I can remember just jokingly one day thinking to myself, I wonder if, the, I, wonder if I could get hired at the church. Like this job sucks. And that would be way better. Like, just like, you just like sit around in an office all day and read the Bible, right? <laughs> so that could be awesome. So I, I, I kind of jokingly gave my resume to my senior pastor the next Sunday. And uh, after church, he's like, hey, man, you want to have coffee this week or lunch or whatever? What's your schedule? So we plan to meet up that week. And I'm thinking, okay, he's like, nice try punk. Like, you're 18 you know, go get some Bible college under your belt and come back and see me. Sits me down for lunch the next Tuesday. Remember exactly where it was. I don't remember exactly what I ate, but I remember where I was. And he said, I just want you to know that I, I, I kind of shared this idea with a couple of people. And if you're actually serious about this, we'd like to maybe explore the possibility of interviewing you for the position. I'm like 18 years old and I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> This is real? And long story short, a few months later, the day after I turned 19 years old, I started in full-time ministry. Party time. Once again, it was a rough first year. 
there's lots of tears, lots of tears, lots of mistakes, lots of grace, praise the Lord. But it's interesting because even as that 19-year-old punk getting into ministry, you know, and I would later go on to do Bible college kind of at the same time as I was doing ministry, like I interacted so much with scripture. I, I, I studied it. I, I had to write papers on it. I had to write sermons on it all of a sudden. I can remember my first sermon preaching through the whole book of Nehemiah. What was I thinking? Like, come on. Like, dude, that's a series. What are you doing? Like, it's called Pace, bro. Pace. But I can remember preaching that. My, 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 the guy who had been my youth pastor, who is now the associate, comes up to me, and he's just like, I really wish we would have had a chat before you preach that. <laughs> I'm like, thanks. Uh, I, all I, all I have to say, my, my wife and I got married shortly after I graduated from my fifth year of Bible college. Any fifth years in the room today? Oh, come on. Yeah, that's okay. Take your time. Serious. See, these, are, these are some of the best years. But my wife and I got married, and, it, and it, was, it, was, it was a couple years later that we actually felt that the Lord was leading us on from that position at that church. I had spent eight and a half years roughly on staff and we finally felt like it was time to move on. And here's the crazy thing. At that point in my life, I'm like 26 years old and I've gone through Bible college. I've pastored for eight and a half years. I've gone to Christian school for seven or eight years in my schooling. I've been raised in the church. And at that point in my life, I will tell you, I, I had never actually read the entire Bible. Like you'd think, what the heck is wrong with you, man? Like all that time, I had never really developed this, this habit, this discipline of engaging Scripture. I mean, I'd, I'd gotten pretty good at, you know, digging through Scripture or like, you know, hearing a good sermon and be like, ah, I bet you I could preach that a little better maybe or here's how I preach it okay I'm gonna write that down I'm gonna okay I'm gonna preach it like that okay or I can remember you know having to do papers on different things but never in all my days up to that point 26 years of age had I even read through the entire Bible I, was, I guess you could say I was kind of spiritually sloppy when you think about it and my wife and I we really felt like God call us out of that place of ministry. And it was, it was confirmed. We knew it was right. We transitioned well. It's another tip for you young guys and girls. You're going to transition out of a church. Don't burn a bridge. Do it well. Do it with grace. Honor your leadership. Honor your students. Honor your church. We did that well. And we didn't have another ministry that was knocking on our door. And, and we kind of had the travel bug. Bernine's a YWAMer. Um, don't hold it against her. Don't be Bible college snobs. Okay. She's a YWAMer, so she already had kind of like done some YWAM stuff and staffed a little bit with this YWAM base. And so we both just were like, you know what? We've wanted to like do just like a big trip together. Why don't we just try to do something like that? And so we actually just took like a whole year off of life. We saved our shekels. We, we, we packed everything into a big bag and we took off for 353 days. Uh, 13 countries, three continents, 32 cities, 2014 to 2015. And it was an incredible time, really the trip of a lifetime. Um, I can show you pictures all night of it, but that's not why we're here. But something important 
happened to me in that year. We were spending about two months of that year in the Philippines. And our, our church that we had just come out of had supported this orphanage in the Philippines. And so we had actually led a couple teams already there. And so when we were thinking, man, where do we want to spend Christmas while we're away? Well, why don't we go to the Philippines and hang out with like a hundred orphans? I'd be pretty sick at this orphanage that we'd worked at. We're like, so sweet. So we packed that into our, into our year. And while we were there, we were staying with one of the missionaries who kind of helped out there and his family. We knew them already. And, and so they invited us to stay with them for a week. And that was right around the time of New Year. And I remember uh, seeing a post that, that this guy put on his social media right, right after Christmas. And he said, hey, uh, just putting it out there, this is, this is the Bible reading plan that I'm doing uh, for this year. And, and what, you know, comment below, like, what are you doing this year? And I was thinking, Bible reading plan? That's lame. Like, I don't want someone telling me what I have to read for devotions every day. Like, like where's, the, where's the spontaneity? Where's the freedom of the Spirit in that? That's lame. That's so dumb. I'd tried it before, truth be told, and I just failed. But something grabbed me in that moment. And I was like, you know what? This Bible reading plan was you read a, the Bible in a year, chronologically. I'm like, you know what? I've actually never even read the whole Bible. And, and going into that year, I remember even thinking, like, man, my entire young adulthood was stolen because of ministry and because of Bible college. And I feel like I, like, missed out on something almost. And, and my entire faith almost was based off of some of these early ministry Bible college years. And I felt like, man, I don't even, I don't even know if I'm going to be a Christian by the end of this year. Like, we're just going to go travel and we're just going to see what happens. But I can remember reading that post and feeling like, you know what? Maybe I should give this a try. And so I downloaded this reading plan and I started it. And I finished it over that year. And I will honestly tell you that up to that point in my life, I don't think I had heard God speak as many times as he did to me in that year. There were so many times, I, ha I have a journal that I kept that year. I still keep a journal all the time. Because when he would speak, I would write it down. When there was thoughts, when there was questions, when there was things that I just didn't understand, I'd write them down. And, and it just in that, in that daily discipline of engaging the word and, and just exposing my heart and soul to the word of God, the living word of God, as it says, Hebrews 4.12, you know, the, the word of God is living and active sharper than a double-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and exposing the innermost thoughts and desires. That's what it was like. I was getting stabbed over and over by the word of God for a year. And I've continued that practice for, for most years since then, where I've tried to work through the word of God and just allow on the daily for the spirit of God to speak to me through scripture. It's not like a perfect score every year. It's not like 365 days I'm, I'm there. But I'll tell you what, nothing, there's, there's no sure, more surefire way of hearing God speak than just cracking open the word. We call it God's word, right? It's living and active. 
And so like, that's, that's not the end of the sermon. That's just kind of my story with it. But I want to share with you just, there's this, there's this quick passage of scripture that I want to share with you that kind of talks a little bit about the why we read scripture. And uh, a lot of you have probably heard this. Maybe some of you memorized it. Maybe some of you have exegeted it uh, for a paper or something. I don't know. But it's really simple. We're not even going to do the full chapter. It's Psalm chapter 1. And I just want to read the first three verses for you. It says this. It, and I'm doing the NLT. I know this is Bible college, and Bible colleges hate on the NLT version, but I'm going to do it anyways because it's easy to read. Okay? Is that okay? Okay. Oh! The joys. That's so funny. You all right? Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. So let me just break this down a little bit for you. When it talks about the law, first of all, you know, it's saying, you know, there's, there's a few things that, that you shouldn't do there. You know, follow the advice of the wicked, stand around with sinners. You know, I kind of think of like the high school smoke pit or something. You know, stand around with sinners. <laughs> Maybe there's a better, better image that comes to your mind. I don't know. Or join in with mockers. Stop mocking me. Right? Like we know that stuff. But then it goes on and it says, but they delight in the law of the Lord. Now when it says the law of the Lord, like we could get into that, but we're not going to. Let's just, for tonight, let's just agree that the law essentially means scripture, okay? They delight in the law of the Lord and they meditate on it day and night. Let's talk about meditation for a second. When we talk about meditate, okay, I came from a family of four boys. When we talked about meditating, it meant something entirely different. Kim, do you know what I'm saying? Do you have any brothers? No, anyone got any brothers? When you say, I gotta go meditate, what are you talking about? Yeah, that, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> thank you, thank you. You were with me, you were tracking, come on. Yeah, okay, that's not what we're talking about, okay? In case any of your dirty minds went there, okay? I know college dorms are they're terrible places. Meditating. What it means when it's talking about meditating is, like, the concept of meditation is automatically, I think, it's a slow process. When you meditate on Scripture, it's not meant to be a rushed process. It's not something you're just doing in the morning to check off the list so you can get to your day. It's a slow process. You interact with it. You reread it. You ask questions. You sit on it. You just ask God, God, what are you saying? Because here's the thing. Like when you're reading the Bible, like, like this is not just an ordinary book. This isn't like Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone that you just read for entertainment. Right? This, is, this word, like we just said, is living and active. Like there is something special on this book that you can't just rush through it. You can't just approach it like an ordinary book or novel. It's, it's, 
Is that whole, any Greek, uh, Greek freaks in the room? Any Greek, uh, anyone had to take that yet? Yeah, okay, sweet. Yeah, flashcards out. Here we go, right? Um, you, can always tell, you can always tell the Greek students, in the, in, they're in the corner. They're just frantically flipping through their flashcards. It's like, oh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I, I tried, I tried my hardest to not do the flashcard thing in Bible college. And then I, like, I started about probably, probably chapter six, and I was way behind. It was brutal. But, and then I found out you could buy flashcards that match the book. I was like, crap, that would have been like the best 20 bucks ever spent. But I just like made them all myself. But there's these two Greek words that we talk about a lot of times. And maybe you guys have already covered this in chapel, but there's, there's the logos, like the written word. And there's the rhema word. And when we, we, this, is not, this is not just some stagnant written word like book. This is the rhema word. This is the living word of God. When you, when you approach scripture, you, you need to come expectant. Not just like, oh man, I'm just, uh, I'm doing this stupid reading plan because Pastor Allen told me I should. So I just got to read my three chapters and get this done and get to the cap for breakfast. No, you need to come expecting that as you crack open this thing, that God could actually speak to you. Like, I've done ministry in the church for about 12, 12, 13 years now. Dealt with a lot of young adults, dealt with a lot of students. And a lot of them say, how are you doing in your faith? I just haven't heard God speak in a long time. I feel like he's so distant, whatever. And then I'll ask, how's your Bible reading? When was the last time you read your Bible? They're like, well, well, like, what are you doing? Like, come on. Are you, like, seriously? Like, if you're not really putting any effort in, if you're not really disciplining yourself and like tuning your heart to the Spirit of God, then don't complain to me that you're not hearing him speak. He's always ready to speak. He has spoken. It's us that put the blockade up. Right? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Right? So it's, it's a slow process. Come expecting that that when you approach Scripture, that when you discipline yourself, that God's going to speak. And like we've said, these are disciplines. These are rhythms. Notice here that it says, on this law, he meditates day and night. That's a huge commitment. We're young at all, so we got commitment issues here. Are you kidding me? Day and night? I mean, I'm good with like a morning devo, but like a nighttime too? You kidding me? Are you for real? Well, that's not necessarily it. I think, I think that's just meant to kind of convey that consistency is key. Because here's the thing, as you read through Scripture, as you work through Scripture as a discipline, you're not necessarily always going to get something from it. Can I be honest and tell you that there's been many times when in the morning I've cracked open my Bible, I've read something, I've been like, well, that was nice. Pass the Cheerios. Like, you're not always... You're not always going to have this, boom, spotlight comes down, angel shows up, and you're just like, oh, all right, sweet, the Lord is here. It's not always the case. But you do it consistently. You discipline yourself so that those times do happen. Right? If it was like one in ten days that God showed up in your daily quiet time, would that not be worth it? 
right? Like, who's the famous athlete that said, you miss 100% of the shots you never take? Michael Jordan. I mean, it's, jury's still out, jury's still out. Yeah, it's, uh, it's probably Shaquille O'Neal, because he missed a lot of shots. But, but, but here's the thing, you're not always going to take something away from your quiet time with God. It's, 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 not, it's not necessarily like, oh man, I'm just going to be like walking on air every day when I crack open this Bible. Let me tell you what, Leviticus, sometimes it's, it's thick waiting, right? You know? I just finished Ezekiel. I mean, some people love Ezekiel. The Valley of Dry Bones, yeah! Now, I, it's not my jam. But you still do it because sometimes you just never know where God is going to show up. It's kind of like, and, and, and this illustration might fall a little flat on a Bible college, but it's kind of like showering, right? You sh- <laughs> Like I said, I was, in, I was a Bible college student. I can make those jokes. Showering, I mean, typically you shower every day, right? Hopefully. You shower every day whether you need to or not, right? Because it's just good hygiene, right? Hopefully. <laughs> it's a little, little flat, a little flat. Okay, right? But see, this, 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 this man that I'm telling you about in the Philippines, who told me about these Bible reading plans. He, he made this, this comparison. He used the metaphor of just the, the, the daily discipline of reading scripture is like just allowing scripture to just wash over you. You know, sometimes, sometimes something happens, sometimes it doesn't, but you just, you just let it wash over you on the daily or as regularly as you can. It's not meant to be a legalistic thing that you miss a day. What's wrong with you? No, you just, you regularly, you let the word wash over you, and something something's gonna happen. It's kind of like I was I was driving up north last week, and I was driving through Quinell. Anyone from Quinell? Oh, Gracie. Okay, so Gracie, I was driving through Quinell, and um, there, when you there's that one part where you're like driving down from Prince George, and then you kind of got to go through town, and it connects with the highway. And there's this massive pan with this yellow stuff in it. It's a, gold, it's a gold pan, right? I don't know if there was like a gold rush in Quinell back in the day or what that's about. But I just remember seeing it. And I was already thinking of like preaching on or just sharing this. But if you know anything about gold panning, it's kind of a similar thing. Like gold panning, like you take, anyone ever, you guys know what I'm talking about? Gold panning, panning for gold? Okay, yeah, sweet. Still with me? All right. So I had to watch a YouTube on this just so I was like, yeah. So I mean, I could bust out the terminology and the fancy words on you, but I'll, I'll dumb it down. But panning for gold, panning for gold is, is pretty simple, right? And it's kind of like this tourist thing that, you, you know, you go to the Yukon, do it and stuff like that, where, you know, there's been known gold rushes. But what you do is you simply just, you take like your, your dirt or whatever you, you've got and you throw a little bit into the pan. And you kind of by a river usually or whatever. And you kind of like let a little bit of water in. And you kind of just like start swishing it around. All right. And, and, the, and the thought there is you're swishing it around so that like the gold is heavy, right? And so the gold sinks to the bottom as you kind of like shift the material, right? 
maybe do a little, a little hula hoop, right? And you shift, shift the material around, and it sinks to the bottom. And as you kind of swish in, you kind of like start like getting some of, the, some of the light stuff kind of falls out of the pan. And as you continue to do that, you, you wash it over with a little more water. You dump it out. You, you do that again. You slowly start to get all this extra sediment out until you're left with just these big pieces, you know? And then you can start to identify what these little gold pieces are. That's kind of how I like to imagine the discipline of scripture reading. It's just this consistent, you know, you take a little bit, you let it wash over, and you look for the little nuggets of gold. Because the thing is with gold panning, you can't just take, you can't take like, you know, a bulldozer, dump it into your pan and go. It's best done with, with little portions, and you just do it a little bit at a time. It's another thing that a lot of people like mistake. Like sometimes we, we feel convicted to develop this, this discipline of reading scripture. So we're like, man, I'm going to read all of Genesis in one shot. 50 chapters, let's go, right? And like, you just don't pace it out properly. You know, if you're going to try to read the Bible in a year, it's actually not that hard. It's only like a few chapters a day. Everybody's got time for that. Everybody's got an extra 10 or 15 minutes in their day. Guarantee it. We could make a real big dig about Instagram or TikTok or something here, but we're not going to. But, like, if you could just take those little portions, little portions every day, it'd be incredible the gold that you could find in this book, that you would mine out of this book. Incredible. It's the process. There's a process to engaging with Scripture, right? There's a process, but but the, the, the word goes on here. There's a process, but then there's also a product, Okay, and in the product, it actually gives us three thoughts here. It says that, you know, the first thing is, you're, you're like a tree planted by a riverbank, bearing its fruit in season. I love that. That's the first thing right there. That's the, one of the first byproducts of you developing the discipline of reading scripture in your life. That the fruit happens in your life. Fruit happens. You know, something funny about growing fruit. You can't actually create fruit. You know that? I mean, unless you're like a wizard. You're a wizard, Harry, right? No, you can't do that. (laughs) It's not physically possible. You cannot create fruit. But what you can do is, you can get your seed, you can plant your seed, you can water it, you can tend to the soil, you can do what it takes to that plant to make sure that that seed grows. And in season, in time, the fruit will grow. But it's not up to you to make the fruit. It's up to you to tend the plant. It's up to you to tend the soil. So imagine that that engaging scripture, that reading scripture is like just tending the soil. That as you tend the soil, you're not worrying about the fruit. The fruit will happen. Fruit just happens. But as you tend to the soil of your heart, as you engage with Scripture and allow the Spirit to speak to you through it, fruit happens in season. And I love the fact that it uses the word season. You know, we we serve a God who created the seasons. And fruit especially doesn't grow in every season. Did you know that you don't have to be producing fruit every season in your life? 
Some of you in this room may actually feel this pressure that like, oh man, I feel like my life is not very fruitful right now. I'm not, I'm not doing anything for God. And you, you've actually been beating yourself up about it. There's actually some seasons of life where you're not going to produce a lot of fruit. It's maybe in those seasons of your life where God is actually preparing you. And he's just watering you. Maybe he's pruning you so that you can create, so that you can produce more fruit. My wife hates pruning because we, we, we get these bushes or we get these, this blueberry bush or this, this apple tree and, and, you know, it's so pretty. But I'm like, man, I just need to prune that thing or whatever. And she hates it. She got after me because I did this one bush in our front yard and I was like, babe, seriously, it's going to grow back and it's going to grow back thicker and lusher and you're going to, it's a good word, and you're going to see the fruit of it. Pruning is not a bad thing. There's seasons of pruning. There's seasons where you're not necessarily going to be producing fruit. But if you continue to engage the process, if you continue in disciplining yourself to engage the Word of God and opening your heart up to it, don't worry about the fruit. It'll come. There's some of you that are graduating this year, and you're like, God, what am I going to do after I graduate? I got to find a job. I got to do all this stuff. Don't worry about it. You worry about taking care of things between you and God. And you let God worry about the fruit. There's there's maybe some of you, um, you know, when you're thinking about, you know, ministry aspirations or or advice or counseling or preaching, you're just like, oh man, like I'm not very good at this. You don't worry about that stuff. Worry about the important stuff, about engaging presence of God on the daily, sitting with God, and and trust that when you're in that moment where you need to give that advice, where you need to do that counseling, where you need to do that preaching, God's going to take care of it. I'll actually say this, is that, you know, I, I feel that after years now of really engaging the discipline of scripture reading, I feel like it has helped. Well, maybe you hate my preaching, so maybe this doesn't resonate with you, but like, I feel like I feel like it's given me a whole new confidence in preaching as a pastor. For those of you who are wanting to take the pastoral route of ministry, be a youth pastor or a lead or whatever, and you feel like preaching is in your future, get in the word, man. It produces a confidence in just recognizing that you actually know what's in there. You didn't just like, hmm, I gotta preach. What am I gonna preach on? Song of Solomon. Heck no. Okay, what are we going to go like, right? Like it produces a confidence because you see scripture for what it actually is, this this continuous story, right? The fruit will happen. Disengage. The second thing is it says that leaves, their leaves never wither. Ooh, I love that one. Getting into fall, pumpkin spice is out, it's good. The leaves are withering. That's not what this is talking about because we just talked about, well, you know, seasons, right? Those are supposed to happen. This is talking about when storms come, when drought comes in your life, when the tough times in your life come, you will not wither. When life falls apart, when there's tragedy, when there's an unexpected financial thing that you got to take care of, you know, when you don't get what you thought you deserved, you know, when there's serving that thing at lunch that you can't stand and you got to skip another meal in the calf. You're not going to wither. 
Oh, hey. Hey, easy, easy. Let, let's, let's, let's honor our kitchen. Let's honor the kitchen staff here a little bit. But there's a promise here. There's a product of spending time in the Word that when you spend time disciplining yourself in the Word, there's a, there's a, there's a promise here that your life... Come on back with me. Come on back. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, there's a promise here that your life... You can, you, can, you can take it. You can take those tough times. When life throws you those crazy curveballs, because you're grounded in the Word, because you've spent the, the tough times engaging with the presence of God and allowing Him to transform you, you can take it. You can, you, you can withstand more than you thought you could. You're stronger than you think because it's not just you facing it anymore. You spent all this time, you got all this wisdom, you got all this spirit in you now. And you can take it stronger than you think. I can remember one of my last years at my previous church. It was an absolute crazy time. You know, it was an exciting time of ministry. We had started a third service. We, uh, my wife and I had just started like this young adult ministry at Lexi's place, actually. We were planning this youth conference that, Gavin and Kim came and spoke at, I think, that year. We had a church renovation going on. There was, a, there was a lot of stuff going on. Like, I'm doing youth ministry. I'm doing young adult ministry. I'm at three services on a Sunday. You know, um, I'm, I'm helping with, like, random renovation work when it comes up at the church. Like, uh, some of you guys going into church ministry, you're going to find out that there's these little extras that sometimes get added in that weren't on, you know, the job description. It just happens. It's like, hey, we need to, we need to build this thing. Uh, okay, sounds good. Right? There's all this stuff on my plate. And I'm, I'm, in, I'm just entering into the dirty 30s of my life. And I'm starting to notice that things are like softening up and I'm in like the worst shape of my life. So I'm like, man, I got I to gotta get fit. Like I got to get back into something here. And so I start exercising like three or four times a week. And I've got all this stuff going on. It was a crazy season that should have killed me. One might say it almost did. But I believe that the thing that sustained me through that is the non-negotiable of the discipline of sitting before the Lord and engaging with the word and allowing him to sustain me. I did not wither. It was amazing. The last thing it says is that you will prosper in all that you do. Now, I'm not going to go like into a prosperity gospel on you or anything. Don't worry about that. But here's the thing. Regardless of whether you're going into ministry or counseling or not-for-profit or whatever you're doing, there's a promise in this. You know, and we can point to like that Jeremiah 29, 11 passage where it's like, you know, behold, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope and a future, all that good stuff, right? The word prosper is in that. That's good. We see it in the Bible, but it's, it's true. That when you set your mind on following Jesus and actually really engaging with him, and it's not just through the Bible. You guys are going to learn other rhythms and spiritual disciplines. I just came in to preach about the Bible, so I'm just going to do that tonight, okay? There's going to be a well-rounded uh, experience throughout the next few weeks. But I honestly believe that there is, this is one of the most powerful things you could ever do for your walk with Jesus is to just get in this thing. Don't do it for the grade. Don't do it for the students that you're leading. 
Don't do it for the congregation. Don't do it for your pastor. Don't do it for your mom or dad. Don't do it for your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your fiance or your husband or your wife. Do it for you. Do it for you. Because if you want to make a difference in this world, if you want to make an impact for the kingdom of God in this world, and you set your heart on engaging this book, engaging other spiritual disciplines, and allowing those to transform your life, you will prosper in all that you do. That's the prosperity he's talking about. It's not talking about, you know, getting that Lexus or getting that whatever Bugatti or whatever car you aspire to have or whatever shoes or whatever clothes. It's about prospering in the kingdom of God. That's what this is about. There's, there's a process of meditation that we need to engage, but there's also a great product that comes from it. And so I'm not even going to call the band up, but I'm going to close right now. And this is, this is, this is where my non-denominational Bible college uh, comes into play. I mean, the response here tonight is really simple. Read your Bible! Right? Like, pretty simple. Boom. We could, you know... <laughs> You could have said that earlier, and we could be eating French fries right now at McDonald's. You know, <laughs> I could have. Sorry, but I hope that through some of these things, that there's a little bit of inspiration and encouragement that you can take with you to maybe try this out. And so, rather than like a big altar call or whatever, you know, or we can get out the Kleenex and get all snotty and whiny. We're not going to do that. I will, I, will, I will close and encourage you with this. There's a, there's a great classical film called Star Wars. Episode, episode two, which is, I know that's all your favorites. There's a, there's a scene in, in Star Wars episode two um, where Anakin, uh, he's in this chase. And through the process of this chase, he loses his lightsaber. And Obi-Wan, being the wise one, um, picks, up, picks up the lightsaber and eventually catches up to Anakin. And, and he gives it back to him and he says these powerful words. He says, Anakin, this is your life. Don't lose it. And you know, the Bible will... You know the book of Ephesians where it talks about, you know, the armor of God. talks about this book as being the lightsaber of the Spirit. Right? Maybe. Sword. Just trying to keep it relevant here, guys. Come with me. Come with me. This book is the same. This book is your life. Do not lose it. Do not forget about it. Don't tuck it away on your bookshelf. Don't let it... Get dusty. Write in this thing. Bookmark it. Do whatever. Let your pig try to eat it. That happened to me one day. <clears throat> hey, it is our daily bread. Come on. Come on. Carbs are the enemy, though, so I took it away. But, but this book, this book, this book will change your life if you let it. But it needs, you need to engage it. It's not, it's not gonna, it's not gonna force itself on you. It's, it's not gonna attack you and, you know, whatever. You need to engage it and trust that the living word of God 
It's going to bring some transformation in your life. And so I want to just give you a couple practical ideas to, to kind of engage Scripture. The first, there's actually, I think, a slide where I've got some apps because, you know, we all have these sweet, oh, yeah, there we go. Hey, oh. Um, so we probably all have version on our telephone. Um, if you don't, version, it's like most downloaded. It's free and, and it's a great app. You need to get that on your phone. version has like a ton of reading plans. If you're like me, like honestly, I've grown to be hooked on reading plans because here's the thing. Sometimes we don't hit scripture every day in our lives. And so what happens is, you know, you're like, oh, I'm going to start reading through the Psalms. And you read through a couple, and then you might miss a few days. You come back and you're like, oh, shoot, where was I? And then, ah, you know what? Psalms are lame. Let's go to the New Testament. New Testament's where it's at. And you kind of just do this flip-flop where you don't really get anywhere. You feel like you're just kind of spinning your tires. Reading plans really help in just kind of like guiding your journey through Scripture, at least for me. It really helps. really helps me. Um, and, and read scripture right there. That's, that's a, that's an app that, um, Bible project guys are a part of that. Um, it's, it's actually read scripture. So it's got an entire Bible in a year plan within it, but it's also got the Bible project videos kind of right there built into it so that you can kind of engage and you can also learn and study a little bit as you go. I did that one a couple years ago and it was awesome. Okay. Um, and here's a cool thing. Yeah, no, I'm not going to get into that. Um, another thing you can do, and this is, this is not an app. This is not an app. Just, just, I, I could talk all day about uh, Bible stories and just how it's impacted my life, but we're getting practical now. Um, memorization is another thing. I went through this one season, um, one year, where I had done, I had done a, a Bible in a year plan, like two or three years in a row. And I was like, that was really good. But sometimes, I mean, the pace of Bible in a year is, is pretty, it's a pretty, you know, quick pace. And I found that there were sometimes scriptures that just like would catch me and I'd be like, oh man, I, I, I should come back to that. But, but I wouldn't. And so I paced it out a little differently one year and I, and I just decided to do the New Testament in a year. But I also picked some, some key passages that I wanted to just memorize for the year to really like get it in there. You know, there's something about memorization that like at first it's very like, Whatever doesn't really impact you, but as you continue to get it in your spirit, get it in your heart, it can just continue. It's like, it's like the tea bag that doesn't stop steeping. It's amazing. I had to memorize, uh, well, I had the option in uh, Pauline epistles when I was in Bible college to either write a 10-page paper or memorize the chapter of Romans 8. And I hate writing research papers, so I was like, I will take the memorization. Memorized all 39 verses, I think. And man, it was awesome. I did it with like one or two mistakes. Got a great grade. But I'll tell you what, after I got the grade, that was like the gift that kept on giving. Because as I then started to think through these verses, I saw the power and like there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What? Right? There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Hello. Right? Like it's a powerful, powerful chapter. But memorization is another great way to engage with Scripture as a daily discipline, to really get it in your spirit. Another thing I mentioned earlier is journaling. Journal. Man, it's, it's really cool and kind of embarrassing sometimes to go back and read journals from like previous years. But it's also encouraging because it shows you how far you've really come in the faith. 
You're like, oh man, that one time when I was worried that this wasn't going to happen. Or, you know what, there's these cool testimonies that come like, man, like this one time when Bernine and I were moving to Abbotsford a year and a half ago, and we were just praying and trying to seek God on where we're supposed to move and what house we were supposed to get and whatever, all this stuff. We wrote it down. We, we had scripture that would come to us. We had these prayers and these words that we felt God spoke to us. And when it actually came to pass, we can now go back and testify and be like, yes, God, you did that. That was not us. That was not our bank account. That was you. Praise the Lord. It's not in this journal. It's in a different one. But it's another good, good discipline as you engage with Scripture. The last one is this. It's, it's called Lectio 365. This is an app you can get on your phone. And this one, I don't know how many of you have heard of the practice of Lectio Divina. It's, a, it's kind of this old school practice. Um, so it's something that I learned about when I was in Bible college from, you know, the hippy-dippy con- contemplative spiritual people. And it's actually a practice that I've really grown to appreciate and um, really sense a connection with the Holy Spirit when I do it sometimes. And this is an app that you can download on your phone. It's actually got like a daily, uh, oh, sorry, we just won't go there quite yet. Um, it's, it's got like a daily thing that you can do as you just, you know, try to focus and meditate on scripture and on connecting with, with God in your quiet time. It's amazing. Um, so those are some, some practical tips. And, and actually, um, maybe hold off on that Lectio Divina slide real quick, because we're going to kind of participate in a corporate exercise as we close tonight. It's a little different. We're not going to have the pads going. We're not going to have any ambient, you know, set the mood kind of music. Because I really want this to be like just Holy Spirit. I want to actually walk you through Lectio Divina a little bit. It's kind of like a hybrid. Lectio Divina is typically more of a small group kind of, you know, individualized type of thing. But I want to just kind of start off the process of it as a group. And then we'll put up that slide when I, when I tell you guys to in the back. Um, but Lectio Divina is a very contemplative, um, meditative, if that's even a word, um, process. Where you embrace, slow, you slow down, you embrace the silence, and you just engage with Scripture. It's a process where you typically, you know, try to try to set the mood, probably turn off the LEDs, but I didn't have time to prep the lighting guys, you know, but you just, you just really set the table and allow just a moment to really engage the presence of God. And so I love how quiet it is in here because we're just going to keep it just like that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read a passage of scripture um, it's one of my favorites. And what we're going to do is I'm going to read the scripture slowly. And then there's going to be a real long silence, awkward silence. I think as Pentecostals, we really hate awkward silence. But we need to get a little more comfortable with it. So there's going to be awkward silence. And then I'm going to reread the passage And then there's going to be a little more awkward silence. And as there's silence, as I'm reading it, I want you to listen. You can close your eyes if you like. You can do whatever. Just just really hone in. Focus. 
and just listen. Don't listen with your Bible college mind that is set on interpreting and trying to like exegete everything. And oh, I, I know what that says in the original Greek or Hebrew. No, get that out and just listen with your heart and soul and allow the Spirit speak. I know it sounds a little flaky. I thought the same thing, but just give it a try. So I'm going to read it. We're going to have silence. I'm going to reread it. We're going to have silence. And then I'm just going to engage you guys a little bit. Okay, so just everybody take one deep breath. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. We invite you to to do a deep work. To engage the soul and the spirit. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I won't be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Forever. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. 
my cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. As you listen, I'd invite just a few of you to maybe just share what's, what's a word or a phrase that stood out as I read that. Just go ahead and say it out. Any words directly in the passage? Just anything that just kind of shimmers? Anoint. Shepherd. Surely. Mercy. Forever. So in this same kind of posture we're in, I'm going to invite you as as quietly and as calmly as you can to just maybe grab two or three people around you. And um, this this is the second half of Lectio where it kind of turns into a little more discussion. Where you're going to, you can put up the slide now, guys. Thank you. Where you're going to engage the passage just one more time. You're going to get someone in your, group who brought their Bible to chapel. It doesn't have to be the same translation, but just read the passage and then just follow these steps in your group calmly together, just in silence in this same kind of space, keeping it calm, engaging the silence and the introspection. Go ahead. Okay, I'm going to get everyone's attention back up here. We're going to finish up this evening. 
Can we, can we give a, a light applause to Alan? Thank you so much. Would you stand with me as we finish off this evening? I really appreciated the way that we ended off this, um, this topic of reading scripture. Uh, quite practical and quite practical to do it together. Uh, there may be some of you, many of you in this room that haven't been reading scripture uh, at all, and you're struggling to find time, you're struggling to find meaning, you're struggling to find that desire to do it. Uh, you know, one great way to do it is with other people. So I, uh, I've mentioned to many people here before, my fourth year, my last year when I was a student here, uh, I hardly actually read scripture by myself uh, because every day I read scripture with my roommates. And we made this commitment every day, Monday to Friday, that we would wake up uh, and read for 15 minutes, and then we would go to breakfast together. Uh, And it was by far out of my four years here, four years, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The most, um, like, intimate I was with the Lord. And there was minimal time of it. it was just me and him. But just like so close and so personal and so meaningful. And so if you're at that spot where you're like, I just, I can't figure out the way to do it on my own, read with people. Uh, we have uh, opportunities at this school and, and, you know, regularly scheduled times and places for you to meet with the Lord. Our Monday chapels, our Wednesday chapels, our pre-service prayer that takes place at 6 prior to chapels. Uh, there's wing prayers in your dorm. There's, I know there's team prayers with your Omega teams. There's multiple opportunities and consistent times that we have in place so that you can find yourself in the presence of the Lord. And so can I encourage you to use those times? Don't miss out on those times. Commit consistency to those rhythms of each day, each week, um, tending to that soil watering those seeds, and as you commit to that, then the Lord will produce the fruit in your life. At the end of this passage in Psalm 23 in the NIV version, it writes, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I appreciated that language and just how we've been talking that the Lord has come to dwell among us. And here's a commitment that we can make, that I will dwell in his house forever. Can we commit that ourselves collectively this year, that we are going to dwell, be consistent each day in scripture reading. And as we work through these specific spiritual practices, that we'll take this time and learn and grow and believe that the Lord will produce fruit in your life. Let me pray. Father, I thank you that your goodness and that your love pursues us, that you pursue us. Thank you that we have all that we need. Spirit, would you remind us of that? Would you speak to the depths of who we are, that we truly have all that we need because of all you've done for us, who you are? And Lord, we commit this evening, we commit this semester, we commit our lives to pursuing you, to dwelling with you as a, as a response to all that you've done and how you came to dwell with us. That's your blessing upon this evening as we go. Spirit, 
I pray you would keep this in our memory, in our heart, in our spirit. Would you convict us to write down what we learned this evening and what we experienced from you? We love you. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening. <laughs>